0: Hey everybody, welcome to another great episode of This Week in Marvel. My name is Ben Morse. I am seated next to...
1: I am Blake Garrison. We have another very, very special guest on the program today. Introduce yourself, sir.
2: I am Greg Graffin, and really glad to be here.
1: We're really glad to have you, Greg.
0: And to continue kind of what Blake requested, uh, if any of our listeners aren't familiar with you, can you give kind of an introduction to who you are and what you do?
2: Well, uh, for those of you uh, who may have listened to early 80s Southern California punk, you may have heard of my band, we're called Bad Religion, and um, (laughs) now we're old, and so uh, we put out a record every two years, so it's amazing how we picked up fans all along the way and uh, continued to uh, produce uh, material, I think, that is hopefully satisfying to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I was telling him when we walked in that uh, I mean, we you need a security guard to come into Marvel probably to be safe cuz there are a lot of big bad religion fans. Yep. In oh the I office. brought a, I brought a bodyguard. Oh. <laughs> yeah. She seems very effective. Taylor's a little bit yeah. uh, you
2: know, she's tired of punching
1: people today. Yeah. It's got to be cra- I mean, it, it's got to be pretty crazy though. Uh, you got to have some really hardcore fans that you meet consistently. At-
2: Oh, I meet them in the weirdest places. Really? I mean, I'll meet them on airplanes. I travel. A L- little known secret, you know, I, I kind of blend in pretty well with the, right. the you know, I, some people call it Norm my style. <laughs> 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 I didn't know that was a word, but <laughs> I was told this, and that's how I can, I just sort of do what it takes to get to the next show. Sure. You know, I, I'll take a plane, I jump on the trains all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, people who we call it rock ignition. Mm-hmm. I get rock occasionally. <laughs> never heard pl- that before. These are great words, yeah. write these down. Yeah, yeah I, On a plane and I'll just, uh, you know, a guy in a suit and a tie will say, hey, I'm an accountant, um, <laughs> but I love bad religion, so. <laughs> you forgive so. him for being an accountant. What's yeah. been the, the <laughs> yeah. Well, usually, yeah, there's not a lot to talk about. there. Yeah. but you know.
1: Is there one like really crazy story, like fan interaction that you can mention?
2: Not really a fan interaction. There's a, One of my favorite airplane stories, if we're talking about airplanes, was mm-hmm. uh, in about 19, I don't know, 96 maybe, 97, we had a show in London. And I was flying um, uh, business class. I might point Respectful. that out. Right, <laughs> totally. um, and uh, I was flying into London Heathrow from New York. And um, I was in the midst of a big um, I was reading some of my favorite author, uh, Mm -hmm. which is Salman Rushdie. Mm. Well, wouldn't you know who's sitting kitty corner to me, but Salman Rushdie. Now, this was during the height of his, you know, he had a hit put out on him. Yeah, yeah. Rushdie was in business class too? Yeah, but he was in a a special type of business class. He got on the plane last. Yeah. With full-on security English, because the government supplied bodyguards for him. Mm. Now, Imagine my dilemma. I'm sitting there within arms' reach of this guy who's like my my literary idol, but he's in the he's in the most undercover way possible because he doesn't want anyone to know he's even there. Sure. Can I ask now, you now? Do you go and ask for an autograph? I no, would. because yeah, you blow no. his. I didn't do it, oh. and to this day I'm kicking myself. Yeah, I would have done it. And then only sure. only about ten years later, um, I was offered uh, the second. Rushdie Prize, which mm. is a, a, human, a humanism prize given out oh, by okay. Harvard. And Rushdie was the first recipient, and I was the second. That's perfect. And I would have loved to have presented the book that I got yeah. signed on that plane, but I, I didn't yeah. do it. When did you I start? Never got the signature.
1: We all live with our kids. <laughs> exactly. When did you start writing books?
2: Um, well, I started writing because I had to complete the PhD. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and I, even before that, I wrote a master's thesis. Mm-hmm. And you learn a lot when you start uh, writing those. You know, you can write one that just satisfies the um, professors, or you can write one that's kind of interesting to the public. Mm-hmm. I opted for the latter. Mm-hmm. And uh, that. My, so my first one was back in um, 1990. And then um, so my PhD thesis came about 10 years after that. And then my books that I started releasing, that was really a string of books uh, from 2010 until the present. So the
1: Rusty scenario the meeting
2: would have taken place before that yeah
1: oh wow okay that's interesting
2: i guess it was between my master's and my phd but
1: i want to
0: jump back to when you were talking about how the band got started in the 80s and you've survived all the way through to today what kind of evolution do you have to go through creatively in order to stay relevant through all those different trends that have come and gone
2: well i think uh very relevant to that question is uh just writing you gotta focus on what you're writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people always say, "Yeah, you know, why don't you be you know more reactionary?" Well, because if you're too reactionary, um, then the trend that's going on at the moment is gonna pass, and then you look passe very quickly. So you gotta. I think we're lucky because me and my co-writer uh, in the band Brett Gerwitz. Are, we're always very focused on writing songs of kind of a philosophical nature. Even the idea of the band Bad Religion, we were just teenagers, we were kids, but we, we knew we didn't want to just um, have a, a title of the band that wasn't going to be thought-provoking, and religion is one of those timeless, philosophical things you can talk about forever. So I think choosing songs that have uh, some kind of a timeless um, quality to them is really important focus on the writing don't worry about the culture at large i mean a lot of people would say well then how can you market it well i think you got to choose do you want to be a writer or do you want to be a marketing Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. i'd rather be a writer so that's
1: fascinating and uh, let's talk about your your solo work as well i mean this is you're about to come out with your
2: third yeah so this is a this is my third solo effort as Mm -hmm. i call it and um (laughs) and that's uh, the same principles apply you know I like to and this um, style of music is what a lot of people would call roots music but what's so interesting about it it feels totally natural to me because not only do I sing and play it the same way I've always sung and played music it's just with bad religion it's put to 300 beats per minute mm-hmm. this is more of a 120 beat rock rock um, tempo and um But what's really interesting is the parallels in punk music and what we know as Americana or roots music. You know, punk is old enough now that it's been handed down through the generations. People come to bad religion shows, their parents and their kids. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like Mm multi-generational. It's been handed down to them because the songs are memorable. And those songs get passed down in the same way. Roots music, folk music, and Americana, has been passed down through the generations. Most folk songs that we know, we learn from our parents or from an elderly uh, generation now. So, you know, that's to me is a, an interesting quality. It goes along with what you were saying about persistence, mm-hmm. remaining mm-hmm. relevant. Good quality songs are forever. Mm-hmm. It's funny. So many people from that
1: era of, of punk, are just have are so grounded and smart it's like and there's so many other genres of rock or any other music that a lot of people have are going through some bad time is that that, am I wrong or is that
2: I think in any demographic Mm -hmm. you're gonna find smart people I really do the more I learn I mean it it seems maybe in punk and some of the more underground movements we champion Mm -hmm. the challenge to authority we champion the freedom of thought freedom of expression
1: mm-hmm.
2: so in order to champion that doesn't mean everyone's that smart <laughs> not all punkers are smart but, but at least they, they know they should be mm-hmm. or they should challenge the things that are told to them because that's part of the culture
0: what's the biggest difference between playing solo and playing with the band behind you
2: well uh first of all this solo project does have a full band
0: yeah so i was was, that was my my next question yeah
2: but i've you know i've gotten up there by myself too and it's um more like you know i was joking when i came in about how i don't turn around and i don't see the drummer Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. even on our biggest stages you know Mm -hmm. i know a band is there But ultimately, I feel like I'm just lecturing to a big audience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it is very similar to the work I do at universities, you know, where I lecture to students. Um, Everybody in a band is really kind of uh, alone, but it's a beautiful thing when there's synergy between the different parts. creates something that none of us could do alone. Mm -hmm. So it's a real special privilege. But personally, as how it feels, um, not only does it feel kind of like, I'm communicating with this big group on stage, but it feels like a lecture too, <laughs> like at a university.
1: And can you mention, I've, I've heard you have some special guests on the, the album as well.
2: Well, this record was uh, recorded uh, with some of my friends from the band Social Distortion. So amazing. So it's really interesting because we both go back so far. Uh, our first gig was with Social Distortion, mm-hmm. now 37 years ago, and um, those guys, Pursued a parallel path. They all had side projects where they played this Americana style music as well. Mm-hmm. So we thought, hey, you know what could be more interesting than us coming together uh, to play this music?
1: I mean, just saying, like, oh, my friends in social. Dis- I mean, it's like that's amazing. That's kind of I'm kind of geeking out because like you're a legend. And you seem like just such a normal <laughs> you guy. You said that. You're yeah, just like shoot. walking around being a legend. Like, what's that feel like? That's got to be. Well, it's lonely at the top. <laughs> let me tell you. It's. Uh,
2: <laughs> I don't know. I, you said the word grounded earlier so uh-huh. I try to try to not um you know I'm a normal person really. Mm-hmm. So other people put labels on you. <laughs> but I mean I respect it. You know my music meant something to them and that means a lot to me. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a it's it's um I understand my role. But I don't feel that way. Like I'm any more important than anybody else. I have heroes too, you know. Who
1: would, Who would they be?
2: Uh, well, a lot of my musical Salmon, heroes. Said Salman, of course. Yeah, yeah. Rushdie and a uh, guy who lives here, Don DeLillo, is one of my favorite novelists. And never got to meet him though, or even contemplate getting an autograph. Mm. Him, but, um, yeah, I was trailing off there. Okay. Yeah, and some of my <laughs> some of my friends who are um, in music. I really looked up to you know like Todd Rundgren was a big fan I was a huge fan and he produced one of our albums Rick Ocasek who lives uptown here or downtown here a good friend of mine now but I really uh, yeah I looked up to him mm-hmm. it's funny because when you start to work and collaborate with these people they just become your friends that's cool. but you got to stay inspired mm-hmm. you know? that's amazing
0: speaking of inspiration of course we are here at Marvel do, uh, do comic books play any role in inspiring you and your band
2: I'd love to tell you that they are the most important <laughs> underpinning of my entire career. <laughs> I would career. love
0: for you to tell me that.
2: But the truth is, I'm incredibly ignorant. Yeah. I need to, uh, and I said, I'm going to learn as much as you guys are, <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's, I'm sure you get a lot of people who are, um, just like you were saying about, you know, the geeking out about all the music and all the content we've provided. You guys have a world that you built here. And... uh there are people probably who know every detail of that world, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> um,
1: has there been any, like, you know, better listening to music has been used in so many, you know, types of art form. Has there been, what are a couple that you really seem to enjoy, like, in a certain film or, or live event or something?
2: Or You mean my favorite
1: usage of some music you've made?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because... It's always a kick to hear your music on the radio and mm-hmm. or to see it in a movie or, you know, see it used for a TV spot. You know, once I saw it, like, for bumper music on the World Series and you're oh, like, wow. it's kind of so cool, neat. Yeah. Yeah, and you like, weren't, like, aware you didn't know? No, that. I was watching the World Series. <laughs> I'm like, hey. I That's know. amazing. It's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, um, it I think... That says more about the programmers and the music directors of those programs who appreciate our music, and mm-hmm. that's always a wonderful thing. You never can write music. Again, I try to stay pure to the art form. You can't write music with the hopes that it's going to be a soundtrack. Of course. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, now, I've heard some directors or producers hire you know artists to r- make a song specific to a particular movie or something. And I would I think that'd be an interesting challenge. Mm-hmm. I was asked once to score a movie and I did. Can you say which movie? And I can't say which one it is oh, cuz I forgot the title of it. It probably uh. was seen by a 100 people. <laughs> uh. But the truth is it was a challenge mm-hmm. and it was not that good. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I probably failed the challenge. I'm I'm not going to take credit for its flop at the box office. No. <laughs> Nor but you. I didn't help. Let's put it And this was probably twenty years ago. When I, you know, I've learned a lot about writing since then. It would be a, if it was a real good project, I think it'd be a great challenge. Mm-hmm. What
0: kind of different muscles do you use when you're writing just to write, or when you're writing for a song? Because those have to be two very different processes. I feel like.
2: So, yeah, to the point where I haven't even really thought mm-hmm. too deeply about it. When I want to express an idea. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those ideas take a paragraph, Hmm. and sometimes they take just one line, one sentence. So when I'm writing songs, I'm thinking the fewest combinations of words in the shortest amount of time. Hmm. And when I'm writing a book, I think I can elaborate a little bit here.
1: (laughs) I mean, you got your PhD, you write books, you do music, you did just Renaissance Man. You've scored a movie. Like, is there anything you you want to tackle next that you haven't done yet? Funny you should ask. Yeah,
2: I'm actually involved in a fiction writing project, uh, collaborative uh, with a couple of co-authors, mm-hmm. and uh, can't say much about it. But it probably has some bleed over to Marvel mm-hmm. oh, cool. in the sense that I understand X Men is a bunch of mutants, and <laughs> yeah. my my you know the one question I teach evolution, mm-hmm. and so one of the main questions people ask me is you know, in the future, and probably they get a lot of their ideas from reading Marvel stuff, you know, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's so um, ubiquitous. But they probably, they, the number one question I always get asked from students, and this is at Cornell University, mm. so these guys, you know, are kind of like what I consider the future of, of uh, you know, what, where their th- heads are at for mm-hmm. the future. And they keep asking me, what's gonna be the status of genetic modification for humans in the future mm. they're probably thinking can they you know is x-men real <laughs> and i know i've seen the titles and stuff you know mm. people do write books about the science of of the x-men or the science behind some of these stories so i've decided that instead of answering that question for the umpteenth time i would answer it in a work of speculative fiction that mm. takes place a couple hundred years in the future and uh so i'm in the process of in fact we just came from a meeting over at um, the agency group where um, my agent is about uh, this project that we're involved in. That's cool. great. About uh, transgenic organisms in yeah. the future. So that's right. one area that hopefully, um, you know, it is a, it's a work of science fiction. So I think sometimes you can learn more from fiction than you can from actually reading and communicating the science. That's that going. could be like a movie. Yeah. Well, you know how Michael Crichton did what he did for yeah. Jurassic Park and Jurassic animals, brought them yeah. to life. I'm um, essentially trying to do the same thing, but with uh, um, Pleistocene animals True. or big mammals like uh, mammoths, woolly mammoths and dire wolves and things like That's that. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm curious now, too, because like, uh, being like a famous professor, how do you handle... Fans in your class because I the guy who played Robocop apparently teaches a college class. And if I ever was I in that know. class, I'd probably geek out because I really like the Robocop movie. I digress, huh. but um, I mean, <laughs> do you have like you know fans come up to you as students?
2: It happens less than you'd think, really. <laughs> a lot of these guys are extremely serious. Sure. Sure. Oh, it's Cornell, yeah, yeah, but some of them are, are you know, like you say, geek, geek out a little bit. But ultimately, they realize the focus in here is to learn the material. Right, <laughs> it doesn't matter how well you know the, the catalog of our songs. <laughs>
1: That's amazing.
0: But well, what are you up to the rest of the time you're uh, hanging out here in New York?
2: Uh, well, we're going to finish up these few shows at Rockwood Music Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to play some uh, studio appearances. Mm-hmm. And then we're moving on to Chicago and uh toronto we're ending up in los angeles um later this month
0: and the album is coming out soon. album comes out
2: march 10th yep. it's called millport it's uh maybe used in a movie or something maybe yeah. an x-men movie <laughs> <laughs> <I'd> <laughs> it'll be my first that. time <laughs> yeah my first time uh used in a commercial feature cool
1: well this is great thank you so much And I, I mean it's an honor to have you on the podcast and by the office and it really means a
2: lot well thank you guys i i appreciate the opportunity <laughs> absolutely thanks a lot this is marvel
0: your universe